0: Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to read to you one verse of scripture tonight, and we're going to talk about it. And I want you to try to listen as best you can, because I want you to get something from tonight. I don't want you just to be able to say, I was there. Now, I've heard people say, I was there and I didn't want to come, so they're lucky I showed up. No, we're not lucky that anybody showed up. We're, We're blessed that God allows us to come. So I don't want you to just get the fact that, well, I, at least I showed up. I want you to actually hear something from the Lord tonight. In Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, the Bible says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And I want you to think about uh, this Bible study tonight from a title, Who Do You Trust?, Who do you trust? Because we live in what we would consider uncertain times. We live in a day and an age where we probably think that this is the most tumultuous time in the history of the world. And I think it probably is. I mean, with more technology, with more advancement, comes more opportunity, comes more difficulty. You have more access. There's more room for people to get on your nerves now than there ever has been before. My sister and I used to go to a little town outside of a little town, outside of a little town, outside of a little town called Monroe, Louisiana, where they filmed Duck Dynasty. And we lived in the same parish, but a couple non-address-worthy cities over, you know, out in the deep country. They just throw one city's name at everybody uh it's kind of like middleburg or orange park very few people actually live in orange park the town of orange park they just get an orange park address but anyway every summer we would go out to this sweat patch cotton farm that my grandmother lived on all my mom's people were cotton farmers and they all lived far apart And there were gravel roads everywhere. And we would play out in the front yard in underwear with garden hoses. We would ride the big silver gas tank. Y'all remember those things? Looked like submarines. you sit up on top of those and get yelled at for it. And there was no one around to see us. And we could just be out in the yard from the start. Nobody driving by. No, nobody calling on the cell phone, nobody blowing up the text messages, no, nobody to check social media for to see who's bashing you all across the world. So you really just had very, very few things to concern yourself with. You weren't as exposed to as much. And the day and time we live in, as we looked at in this past week, creates some great difficulty. Even the best experts appear to be uncertain about what the future holds for our country, and more specifically for the Lord's church inside our country. Most economists agree that we're heading for another financial collapse, which only makes sense because the Bible says that in the end of time that we would be living in a cashless society, that cash would not be spendable. Oh, while I've already told you all my nerves are high, Uh, does anybody know this woman that keeps coming in here and staying for the first four minutes of church and walking out every time I stand up to preach? Okay. Is she special? I hope so. I don't want to have to ask her. Uh, that Just be on my mind. all while I have conversations with me while I'm preaching to y'all. I, I can watch people texting on their phone, digging out wedgies, having conversations, read your lips while you're mumbling to the person next to you, see who you're tapping on the back shoulder, and still say what I have to say out of the Bible. When you've been doing this a long time, that happens. And I didn't want to have that conversation in my head the whole time. I was preaching, but we are heading for some financial difficulties, I believe, greater than what we've seen. The Bible uh, prophetic warning is not that life's going to get better and better and better and better and better, as many denominations are looking for it to do. I mean, but people, the experts, they argue about everything. Global warming. Been hearing that for a long time. People saying global warming, global warming. It's just getting hot all over the place. We just had the coldest winter in the history of Jacksonville. And had the worst snowstorm up north in the history of forever. And so people are like, well, how can there be global warming when it's so cold all over the place? And now, you know, what they do what all good experts do. Well, with every global warming, there's the reverse negative amplifier of the recidivite part that causes this massive coldness. Huh? Yeah, you don't know. And so everybody that's supposed to be an expert, they don't even agree on what things are going to look like in our country over the next few years. I've told you before when it comes to Democrats, independents, politicians of any ilk, uh, I don't have any confidence in them because they're all rich. They all send their kids to the same schools. They all argue with each other publicly and party together privately, so I can't respect that or have, have any confidence in the politicians. The church, the church is divided. Baptists say their way is right, Pentecostals say their way is right, Charismatics say their way is right, Mormons say their way is right, Catholics say their way is right, Methodists say their way is right, Muslims say their way is right, Jehovah Witnesses say their way is right. So, who can we trust? Everybody, when they say their way is right, they may not admit that what they are saying is we are right and everybody else is wrong. That's what they are saying. You say, well, what about us, Pastor? Are we saying that? Absolutely, we are saying that. We are right, and everybody else is wrong. Well, we just got to figure out who the we is. The we is the group of people who trust only in Jesus Christ for salvation. Because Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except by him. So anybody teaching anything other than that is wrong, and they can't make heaven. It's so politically correct in this day and age to try to act like you believe everybody's going to go to heaven. That's what Joel Osteen did when he was on the Larry King show. And Larry King asked him if he thought Jews and Muslims were going to go to heaven. Instead of plainly saying, well, according to the Bible, Jesus himself said that they can't get to God without him. He just said, well, I don't know. That's, that's up to God. And people don't want to answer in this day and age, because the one thing people are more scared of than living is being called a bad name. You don't want to stand up for what you believe out of fear somebody might call you a bad name. You don't feel like uh, you, you can address certain issues for fear that somebody will call you a racist or a bigot or uh, whatever name they feel like calling you at that point, but name-calling doesn't change the truth. I saw, and we'll just see how this crowd takes it. I saw, I shared this, uh, I believe with Elder Robin a couple of weeks ago. I saw a video, and I wish I would have saved it. I play it every Sunday. I saw a video on YouTube from an African-American bishop sitting at his desk. He said, my name is Bishop so-and-so, and I am coming to beg all white people to wake up. He said, please wake up and tell this younger generation of African-Americans to stop sagging their pants, wearing gold in their teeth, and get a job and stay in school. If I say it, I'm just an old dude that won't hear it. But you're so scared that if you stand up for the values in America, and he talked about the crime wave and the dropout rate and, and test scores. He said, if, if everybody doesn't start saying the same message, in the body of Christ that is not going to be heard. And then he called out all white preachers and said, you're all cowards because you're too scared to be called a racist to stand up and tell the truth. See how stiff everybody just got? You know why red, yellow, black, or white, 30, 40, 50 years ago, no, you would have never had to stand in line at the gas station with, with somebody with their pants belt down underneath the round of you, st- you wouldn't have had to stand behind somebody like that in public. You wouldn't have had to debate in your mind, should I say something to this young man to, to try to train him, or should I just let it go because it's going to cause an outbreak. You wouldn't have had to do that back then because collectively people used to look out for what was right and what was wrong. And no matter how divided people think they are, Republicans and Democrats used to both try to look out for what was right. White and black to look out for what is right. There were good people and there were bad people, but now we live in a world where everybody's just letting everything go haywire because nobody wants to stand up and say anything. But in the midst of all this haywireness, we've got to find something to trust. We've got to find somewhere to look to in all these uncertain times. I like what the hymn writer said, speaking about trust. He said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. This is the thing that is unchanging, Jesus' name. And we're going to talk about name in just a moment. Our opening verse in Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Okay, so Wednesday night, open discussion, Bible study. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. Okay, so chariots and horses were uh, like tanks And Scud missiles in this day and age. This was weapons of war. This was a powerful means to fight with. So this was their bombs. This was their nukes. This was their military strength and prowess. And he's saying that that's what some people trust in. But we, who's we talking about? Christians. We trust. What is it that we are commanded to trust in? God, the name of the Lord, our God. Okay? Now let's try to read and be literal. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in what? Did it say we trust in God? Did we say we trust in the Lord, our God? Or did it say we trust in the name? We trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Now, that was awesome to Hebrews because they had a plethora of name meanings for God. They had a broad understanding of the name of God. But in 2016 America, we say God like it's nothing. People say God all the time. People say God, saved, unsaved, good people, bad people. People say God all the time without any concern, without any care at all. So evidently there's more to, when we think about God as believers, there's more to it than what they mean when they say God. Our God is not the same. I had somebody tell me on my social media account that they were Muslims and that there's only one God So that he and I worship the same God. I can't get him to understand that we don't worship the same God. Because his God is not the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. His God is not the God that can only be reached through Jesus. That's who my God is. And everybody doesn't worship God. Jesus told people that you're not of my Father. These that follow me are of my Father. You're of your Father, the devil. So there are people whose God is the devil. And there are peoples whose God is the Father of Jesus Christ. So this word God, or we say the word Lord. Lord had huge meanings not just to Hebrews but to Greeks as well. And it was an expansive, expansively defined word in their mindset. But we say Lord and we just get this idea, oh, well, that's just another nickname for Jesus. No, Lord has wide ramifications of what that means when you say that he's your Lord. It's not just he's your buddy Jesus. It, 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 it signifies boss, master, controller, slave owner, everything. All that and us with nothing. And the Bible tells us that you can trust in different things. This is the point of Psalm 20 verse 7. You can trust in different things. But the psalmist said, I'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. I'll trust in the name of... Now, I trust in the Lord God. I trust in the Father, Jesus Christ, creator of heaven and earth. Uh, He's the author of the Bible, the only true and living God. He's the God who took on flesh and became man. We call his name Jesus. He was buried, rose the third day, so we could be saved. His his name, if somebody asked me what's the name of God, I could give them a short answer and say Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am God. When they said, show us the Father and it will satisfy us, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Bible says he's the physical Visible representation of the invisible God. But throughout the Bible, God has revealed himself to us through many names. And in the Bible, to the people that he was using those names for, they knew those names, they had a familiarity with those names, they had a language that represented those names very easily for them to understand. There are lots of different names for God in the Bible. But our English translators... Picked very few names to use and just threw out God and Lord most of the time. The most commonly used word for God, if you read the Bible in the original language that it was written in, is Jehovah. Sometimes spelled Yahweh. That's the name represented more than anything else. And it's a reference to God's ability to save alone. That only Jehovah has salvation. So God's biggest link to you, God, the name's biggest concept to you should be, he saved me. If he didn't save you, nothing else will make sense. He has to be Jehovah to you or nothing else will make sense. To trust in his name and not start at salvation won't make sense for you. In Genesis 2.4, the Bible says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. So you see in this verse, it says the day that, and it gives both words, Lord God. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Well, this is written in an English translation. If you read that in the Hebrew text, it would say Jehovah. Instead of Lord or God, it just simply says Jehovah in the day that Jehovah made the heaven and the earth. So we see the origin of God as a creative God who alone has salvation. But our text in Psalm 20 said that you can trust in different things, but that we should trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, if I told somebody I have great trust in Dina. Mills you'd understand that you get that That's that's we, we talk like that now but if I said I have great trust in the name of Dina Mills well that would just be weird do I trust her or do I trust her name I trust her I got a lot I got other names for her I won't tell you now uh, but Thing. she would know them and you wouldn't but it's not the name repre- that's representative of the trust that I have in her because what she does is not def- what she does for me and who she is to me is not described to me by the name Dina Mills or even the name Dina Becker which she was for half her life not really half almost half almost half her life now you're on the other half you've been married longer than you weren't married It's not her name that I trust. It's who she is to me. So why does God inspire the psalmist to tell us trust in the name of the Lord your God? There's power in the name. The power that it has is not this magic spell where you just say Jesus and all the demons have to flee. People are like, just call the name Jesus and the demons will flee. Well, okay, read your Bible. What happened in the book of Acts when the man said, I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ whom Paul preaches to flee. What did the demons say? Jesus I know and Paul I know. I don't know who you are. You ain't adjuring me to do nothing. So he adjures in Jesus' name and the devil fronts him. So, obviously, this whole magic dust you hear on Christian TV say the name, say the name. Listen, there ain't no magic dust in Jesus. Millions of people are named Jesus. Millions of people, especially Hispanic people. First name and last name, De Jesus. Or, if you are raised in the country, you see them playing baseball on American television, De Jesus. That's Juan De Jesus. If you're going to say Juan, you had to say Jesus. But that name is not a magic card. Oh, there's power in the name. Just say Jesus, say the name. What? Well, are you pulling that out of the back pocket like it's the ace of spades? Jesus, boom, I'm out. That's your trump. It's not in the name. It's in your understanding of what the name represents. See, because if I was needing help on a timeline to get something done and I'm like, man, I'm up here trying to get all this paperwork done. I got no help. I don't know if I'm going to make this deadline. I got to get all these copies made. I don't know if I'm going to get this done before church starts. And somebody said, well, your sister just walked in the door. You want me to get her to help you? Absolutely. Great relief. If somebody said, well, Dina just walked in the door. Uh, You want me to go get her to help you? Yep, still same relief. If somebody said, uh, Diggie Scott's wife just walked in the door, you want me to go get her? Same relief. Because it's not in the name that they call her. But it's in what that represents to me. I have to have an understanding of what this name is. And that's why God did not limit himself to one name in the Bible. That's why God did not reference himself by one name to his people in the original language. But because we speak English, and they don't put these words in our New Testament that I'm about to show you, we just have, say the name, Jesus. Well, like I said, there's lots of Jesuses out there, and all of them can. Now, that's not going to stop me, and I've shared with some of y'all. I'm I'm a 210-pound grown man. I'm not scared of anything. I've done the wildest things any human being on the planet. My sister can testify to my my, my courage slash insanity uh, when, when, when it comes to not being scared. Um, but I still, I live in a big house, two stories, it cracks, and makes noises. I'm by myself. I can still get the heebie-jeebies. Y'all, not just me. I can still get the woohoo's hoos in there, and I just start saying Jesus. And I just start singing songs. With you. Listen, that's not going to stop me from doing it. That. That'll help me feel better. But there's more than just those five letters. There's more than the three letters G-O-D. There's more than the four letters L-O-R-D. And there's more than the five letters J-E-S-U-S. It's what that symbolizes. It's what that represents. It's what that is to you that you should have the trust in. Because I don't trust in the name of Robin Duckworth. I trust Robin Duckworth. I don't trust in his name because he hasn't revealed. Now, if he had revealed himself to me through many different names, and when he said, anytime you feel like I'm being nice to you, or anytime I'm trying to show you kindness and respect, refer to me as Robin the Kind. If he said, now, anytime there's tension between us, and, and, and you, need, you need to cause me to be aware um, that I'm doing something that, that's not acceptable on your staff, Just just call me Robin the Annoying. If we had 50 different names for him, then I could say, man, I know him by the name. And you say, what name? Which particular name I choose to call him at this moment? God revealed himself to us through many different names. I don't have time to take you through all of them tonight, but I'm going to take you through a couple of them just to get you this concept why David said, I trust in the name of the Lord our God. One name we find early in the Old Testament is Jehovah Makedeshim. And it means the Lord, my sanctifier. Jehovah is God. Makedeshim is sanctification. And so God called himself this to his people. He said, this is who I am. I am Jehovah Makedeshim. So they got this concept. Okay, so sanctification means to be cleaned up and fit for the master's use. Sanctified is what you want to do to a spoon before you use it for your cereal, okay? You want to wash it and make sure it's worthy of being used for your cereal. That's what needs to happen to us. For God to use us, we've got to be washed. We've got to be clean. It's an ongoing process of sanctification. See, salvation happens in a moment, just like a birthing process. It happens in a moment. You have a time written on your birth certificate. That's the time you were born. It happened in a moment. Salvation happens in a moment. Sanctification happens over a lifetime. So, God is the God who is the only one who can make us clean for his use. And he's not only the only one that he can do it, but he's continually doing it. So, when God would tell people, if God just said, I'm the Lord. Okay, well, we got that. But he didn't just do that. He took time to break it down and said, I am Jehovah Makedeshim. When you feel dirty and you need cleaned up, there's only one place you can go. That's to God, specifically to Jehovah Makedesham, the only God who can cleanse you. Jehovah Makedesham is the only God offering cleansing. Everybody else is demanding servitude and fellowship. Jehovah Makedesham is offering cleansing, not just one-time cleansing, but constant cleansing. In Exodus thirty-one thirteen, the Bible says, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. If you read that in the Hebrew, it would say, So that you know that I am Jehovah Makedesh. And the Hebrew people were very familiar with these terms. And they would find comfort in that specific name of God at the time they needed to go somewhere and feel like they could be made right again. They didn't just run to God. That can be idealism. That can be philosophical. But they knew they could run to Jehovah Makedeshim because he had already told them, I will sanctify you. No matter how jacked up you get, I will sanctify you. I will be the one. This is who I am. God gave us this broad look at who He is, not just this three-letter, four-letter, or five-letter name, God, Lord, or Jesus. Another, now these are, I'm gonna share a few. There's lots of compound names of Jehovah. I'm gonna give you a couple more. Let uh, I'm gonna get you out of here on time. Jehovah Rapha. And it means the Lord our healer. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. In Exodus 15:26. God said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now it's not as important that you know how to spell Jehovah Rapha as it is that you know that the God we serve is the God who heals us. But when you trust in him, you have to recognize that that's who he says he is. If you're sick and you're going to him for healing, you need to recognize this isn't just something that he does. This is who he is. He said, I am. This is is what I am. I am the God who heals you. Because for a sick person, getting cleaned up and fit to be used by God isn't really the primary thing on their mind. They're not running to Jehovah Makedesim. They ain't got no. That's not where their trust is. Their trust is that our God can make me better. And if they can come to the awareness that it's not just what He does, but it's who He is, then they can run to Him with joy and say, "I can trust that He's a healer because He said that's His name." And when you need that, it's going to give a broader awareness. To the fact that that's not just what he does. It's who he is. I skipped one guys. Jehovah Rohi. The Lord my shepherd. Psalm 23. Probably the most familiar psalm. In the whole Bible. I still remember. Remember when Mark brought home the dollar? Our little brother brought home a dollar. From Trinity Christian Academy one day. Because he was the first kid in his class. That could quote the whole Twenty-third psalm. He was six years old, quoted the whole twenty-third psalm, something most adults can't do. Uh, I don't know why they were buying him off. I wish there'd be something. Anybody wants to buy me off for all the scriptures I can quote, see me after church, bring all your money. But it was awesome. He quoted the whole thing, but it's a very familiar passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, if you want, then you're not recognizing that God's your shepherd. If you're fearful, if you're nervous, if you're scared, all the things the 23rd Psalm says that you don't have to do, then you're not recognizing who God says he is. You're not recognizing this piece of his name. You don't see him as who he sees himself as. He says, I'm your shepherd. I'm the one. Now, see, we, we don't even have shepherds here. Nobody in this room uh, I mean, you you can talk about pastors as being shepherds, under shepherds, shepherds under the the wing of the Lord. You could, but we don't really work for shepherds. We don't uh, unless you're Fletch, that movie Fletch. That cop asked him what he do for a living. He said, "I'm a shepherd." I fell off the couch laughing. I don't know why that was funny, but back to the story. He said, "I'm a shepherd," in, in L.A. in the '90s. That was funny, but we don't have shepherds in Jacksonville that I know of. So we don't really love the shepherd the way this group of people did. When God God told David, who was a shepherd, I'm your shepherd. I'm everything you need. And if we're not running to God and trusting that his name is, I'm the one taking care of everything, then we have uncertain things to trust in. Well, I just trust God to do everything for me. I don't need to know these names. No, you need to know these names because the names are specific. And you need to have a specific mindset. If, if you want, if, uh, like Nancy, Nancy was just sharing us a great testimony, you, you want somebody to cut out cancer, a dentist cuts on things. There, 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 there are dog surgeons that cut on things, but you don't want to go to a dentist to have him cut out your cancer. You want to go to a guy that does that for a living. That's his specialty. You ought to want to look for specialists, and we need to know what the Hebrew people of old knew. God has revealed himself as a specialist in certain ways. And when you run to him in your pain, you need to run to him as a specialist. Another compound name God said he was is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. Now, you know, if you're worried about money, you're freaking out about bills, then you're not really trusting in the name Jehovah-Jireh. You can still say, oh, I trust in God. I'm just worried about my bills. Well, you don't trust in the name Jehovah-Jireh because they know who he said he was. See, I run into this occasionally with my kids. Not as much now because they've heard the speeches so many times. But my kids are, have been prone in their life to ask me more than one time. If we were going to do something that they want to do. Dad. Are we going to go get ice cream? After your meeting? Yep. 30 minutes later I'm still in the meeting. Dad we still going to go get ice cream? And so I just tell them. Ask me one more time. And we'll never get ice cream again. I said we were going to go get ice cream. Don't impugn. My honesty. Don't doubt me. I said we'd do it. Just hold me to my name. I'm your dad. Your dad is not lying to you. So if we're worried about money, we can say broadly, well, I I trust God to take care of everything. But if you're not approaching God as your provider, then you're not trusting in the name. And the name is who he says he is. Not who we say he is. Another one. Oh, hold on. Abra- uh, Genesis twenty-two thirteen 13 says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham took the ram and offered him up a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. Now, it's funny because in the other verses I've read you, it just stayed with the English, but here it stays with the Hebrew only because they named a city after it. When it says they called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, it wasn't saying this is what the Lord was calling himself, which he was, but they were referencing a place that was called that forevermore following this time. But Abraham found out in a very personal way that God could provide for him. And you need to take your specific needs to specific names. Well, can't I just run to God for everything? Well, yeah, we're talking about one person. But you can run to Baptist Hospital for everything. But if you're having ear, nose, or throat problems, when you get there, tell them you want to see an ear, nose, and throat doctor, the best one to have. When we come to God with specific issues, we need to take trust that he would not have named himself Jehovah Jireh if he was not willing to provide for us. So these names have relevance. Next one, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our Banner. Exodus 17, 15 says, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. A banner is something that you can stand behind and trust what's on it. You see people walking with a banner? And it says, No war, no peace, or, or no justice, no peace. You can trust. That whoever's carrying that banner is willing to do dirt if they don't get their way. If you walk and see somebody carrying a banner that says KKK, you can trust the people walking behind that banner are racist. And they believe in the message of that banner. Well, God is our banner. He has lifted up his name in front of us as something that we can hide behind, connect to, and lift up with him. So when the armies rage against you, You need to know. I'm going to get behind this banner. Let somebody else walk out in front of this thing for a while. The banner is going to provide me some shade. I'm just going to hide behind this banner. They're throwing rocks at me. I'm going to stand behind this banner and they throw rocks at the banner. Because it's more about him than it is about me. Another one, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Judges 6.24 says... And the Lord said to him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Then again, he's naming a place. But he's doing it because God said to him, Peace be unto you. Then Gideon built an altar unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. If you look at the first part of the verse, and the Lord said, If you read that in the Hebrew, it would say Jehovah Shalom said. We just dumb it down to God because we know the the English translators knew if they wrote Jehovah Shalom, that means nothing to English people. But if you say it to Hebrew people, they find a special joy in knowing I can rest in God. He brings me peace last one I'll give you, I've told you before, and and, uh, I've not even scratched half of them. i told you before, this is my favorite one, so I'll make this one the last one. Jehovah Shema. And it means the Lord who is present. And I agree with some theologians that say the most literal definition for Jehovah Shema is I am the God who's in your face. No matter which way you turn. See, if somebody's looking at you, now if you're a good mother and your child's looking at you and they act up, and you make eye contact with them, what's one of the first things they do after they change whatever they're doing that's wrong? They probably dart their eyes away because they know they've been seen. They've been seen. Or if somebody is mad at you and they want to get away from you, they hang up the phone. To get away from you. They'll walk away. They'll get in somebody's car and drive away. But if you were God, where can you drive away from God to? Where can you hang the phone up on God? The Bible says if you go to the highest mountain, he's there. If you go to the lowest valley, he's there. Even at the bottom of the ocean, he's there. If you look left, right, front, back, sideways, up and down, or corkscrew, God is still always right there. You can't get away from him. And I like that, most of the time. Four of y'all didn't smile. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Keep following God, you'll find out. He is Jehovah Shema. In Ezekiel 48, 35, it says it's around about the 18,000 measures. And the name of that city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Now, if you read that in the Hebrew, it wouldn't say the Lord is there. That's English. It would say Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. He's at your house. He's on your job. He's in your bed. He's in your closet. He's everywhere. Wherever you go, he's there. That ought to bring comfort to you. So when you feel alone, you can run to God. And you can thank God for a whole bunch of things. You can thank him for saving you. You can thank him for healing you. You can thank him for all this other stuff. But if your present issue is you feel alone instead of running to God, you can run to the name Jehovah Shema because he said that's who he is. And you can thank him because you are the God who's always here. I know I'm not alone because you never leave me. I know. I'm not alone. People trust in different things. We don't trust in horses. We don't trust in chariots. That was their day and generation. We, we trust in, in, in different things in this generation. Mostly, we, a lot of times, people trust in family. That's a pretty good choice because you're supposed to be able to trust your family. But sometimes family's going to let you down. That's why the psalmist had to say in Psalm 2710, even if father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Let's see, David knew. That God was Jehovah Shema. Dude, people walked out on David all the time, but he knew that God was still there. A lot of people think, well, I know I can always count on family. Keep living. (laughs) Just keep living. I can trust no mind. Don't put that on me. Keep living. Psalm 2710 in a different translation says, My father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. If you realize who God is and you know His name, you know He'll always be there. Family's a good place to start. Another place people put their trust in is church. That's another great choice. You ought to be able to trust the people in your church. Some of the best people I know are in the church. Some of the worst people I know are in the church. There's good and bad people everywhere. But even the best people in church are imperfect people. And now everybody can fail you. And what we've got to learn how to distinguish and delineate against is that just because somebody fails us doesn't make them our enemy and it doesn't make them a failure just because somebody lets you down just because somebody wrongs you you have a choice then at that point to alter your relationship with that person or you have a point to say you know what that's still my brother in Christ I still my sister in Christ that's still somebody I care about because the truth is people will let you down that's why the Bible says don't put your trust in the arm of the flesh. Another place people look to put trust is in pastors and church leaders. That's a great choice because the very best people I know are pastors. Uh, what they go through, what they endure, and what they stay with, especially pastors who have been in one location. You find a pastor who's been in one location with one church for any length of time, stayed with the same group of people for any length of time, you found somebody who's, who's drudged through hell and high water and stayed with the cause good place, that we ought to be able to trust these people, but they're still human, and they still can fail. Now, see, what churches have done over the last few decades in America is if a pastor, and it's funny because they even developed a name for it. They call it moral failure. Moral fa- I know Brother Jim's heard people talk about pastors who had a moral failure. What that means is, He did something we thought deserved him getting fired over. pastor had a moral failure. Let me me help you out. Human beings have moral failures all the time. The Bible says the gift and calling of God are without repentance. God didn't change his mind about David being the king because David messed up a bunch. God didn't change his mind about Saul being the king because Saul messed up. God changed his mind about Saul because Saul refused to listen. And Saul chose his way repeatedly over God's way. In this day and age, if pastors let you down too much, the church just fire them and move them out. That's a whole different message. Another place people put their trust is in friends. Now, we move from some decent choices to some less decent choices. Friends are going to let you down. Friends are going to rotate. I thank God I've got some friends in my life that I've been friends with. Uh. That I still talk to every day from childhood. Long standing friendships are awesome, but they're few and far between. Psalm 41 9 says, Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. That's David. You think, Well, I'm too good to my friends for them to turn against me. No, well, nobody better than David. David was a man after God's own heart whose ways always pleased the Lord, the Bible says of him. Now, the last one I'll give you, and this is the one most people trust in above all, self. I can't count on nobody but me. That's why I don't trust nobody but me. Because I know me. No, you don't. You do not know you. If you knew you, you wouldn't trust in you. You just wouldn't. The Bible says that every heart is deceitfully wicked beyond all imagination. You can't even know it. What what does that mean? That you are capable of horror. And if we understood that fully, we wouldn't be looking at people on TV asking, how could they have done that? When Jesus said, one of you will betray me, one of you at this table that has dipped your hand with me will betray me. All of them but Judas asked the same question. Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? King James, they said, is it I, Lord? Is it I? Is it I? And here's what they were literally saying. Here's the heart of it. Please tell me it's not me. Please say it's not me. I don't want it to be me. I don't care if it's them, that's them. But please, please don't let it be me. Because they knew Jesus was telling the truth. And they also knew they were capable of anything. And they didn't want it to be them. So next time you see somebody do something mentally off, you need to thank God it wasn't you. Next time you see somebody in a bad situation, you should never as a Christian look down your nose at anybody less fortunate than you. Because it could be us. The rea- realization that it could be me should bring some humility in your life. And it should recognize that I can't even trust in me. Because I'll tell you the truth. I've failed me more than I've failed anyone. I've failed me other than God. i failed me more than i failed any human being in the world. People are like, well, you don't know all the things that he's done. Thank God. We don't know all the things that you've done. But you can't trust in people. And you're a people. So don't have that mindset, well, I, I know I can count on me. Because me will let you down too. Jeremiah 17, 7, last verse I'm going to give you. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. That word, blessed. I got three minutes. I told you I'd let you all out on time. Anybody know what a simple, and it's funny because some people say blessed, unless they're talking Beatitudes and they're reading out of the Gospels and they say blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say blessed are the peacemakers. When they're reading Beatitudes, they say blessed. When they're talking about being that highly favored, they say blessed. I've never heard anybody say I'm blessed and highly favored. So whether you say blessed or whether you say blessed, does anybody know a simple, proper definition for that one word that nobody knows how to say? Happy. More specifically, oh, so very happy. An abundance of happiness. And I've told you this for years. What people want more than anything is just to be happy. They may think they want to stop fighting with their child. They may think they want to stop fighting with their significant other. They may think they want to get a better job. They may think they want their loved one healed. They may think that they want more peace in their mind. But all of it comes to one thing because they believe that would make them happy. That's what we want. We want to be happy. And that's not bad. That's why God said, let your request be made known unto me. God is our father. He wants us to be happy. That's why this word blessed is in the Bible so many times. He's telling us how to find happiness. Oh, so very happy is the person that trusts in the Lord. You want to be happy? You got to trust in the Lord. Now, we read things too quickly. We rush through stuff. All this says is happy is the person that trusts in the Lord. Because that word man is not gender specific, it's human. So blessed is the human being that trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord. Happy is the person that trusts in the Lord. Well, that is a fast reading. But if you study context and if if you study verbiage in the original language, this isn't talking about, I'm trusting in the Lord this is talking about a continual repetitive all the time only time or only one all the time only one all the time only one I don't just trust in him right now because I need something he's the only one I trust in and I do it all the time you're not going to get blessed trusting in the Lord two days a week you're not going to be happy trusting in the Lord from tragedy to tragedy until you can say I trust him All the time, and he's the only one that I trust like that. Not mama, not daddy, not husband, not wife, not children, job, money, or self. Just God. I don't trust nobody like I trust God. He's the one, he's the only one, and I do it all the time. So who should we trust? The name of the Lord our God. What that's simply saying is trust in who God says he is. That's why the phrase, the name, is there. It's not just a magic pill, but the name is who God labeled himself. He's a savior. I hope you trusted him for that. He's a deliverer. I hope you've trusted him for that. He's a healer. I hope you've trusted him for that. Whatever you need him to be, he's there. But you've got to begin to see him more specifically than just God. God because everybody believes in God everybody atheists believe in God they make their self God everybody believes in some form of higher power we need more specific thoughts about who God is to us trust in who God is don't just use Jesus as a magic pill Trusting who he says he is. And when you begin to trust him for your specific needs, you will see your specific needs be met. Because if I go to Burger King and I ask for a Big Mac, I can't get it. Because I'm at the wrong place. But if I go to Burger King and ask for a Whopper, I can get it. If you come to me and ask me to do something for you that I can't do, I can't do it. But the Bible says nothing is impossible with God. That he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He can do great things. And he's bigger than we recognize him as. And we need to expand our mind to receive the largeness of who God says he is. Because man doesn't define God. God defines himself. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in so many ways. Thank you, God, for allowing us to have this time together. Father, I pray that something will be said tonight that will touch someone's heart. That will allow them to draw closer to you. Thank you for loving us, God. And for never leaving. I love you, and I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's Ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.